Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library, Decatur, Texas. Today it's uh, it's me, I'm Chris, we have Denise, Hi. and Dawn, Hello. and um, we're going to be talking about Stalking Awareness Month. Yeah. It's January, right? That's right. January is National Stalking Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a serious topic. It is mm-hmm. a serious topic. I know that sometimes we like to joke, like, oh, they're stalking you. And it's not. Yeah. After reading all this stuff, I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not funny to joke about stalking. It is not funny to joke about stalking. Um, I will say, though, that whenever I get uncomfortable about things, I crack jokes, so... <laughs> Good to know. Well, that's that's one way. Yeah, that's different. I'm not sure what. Are you saying that you're going to crack jokes today? I don't know. Or just like in regards to jokes about stalking, that's one way of dealing. Both. Yeah. Because if things get a little uncomfortable, I might crack a joke just to kind of back myself out of that. Sure. <laughs> Use yeah, attention that's one way, to, one way to deal with that. Um, I know what you mean. So to start with, I went ahead and looked up the definition of stalking. Mm-hmm. Got some basic information. From dictionary.com, it was very basic. It says pursue or approach stealthily. Um, but then it's like a, a cat stalking a bird. Mm-hmm. And you think about in that that situation. But then it synonyms are to creep up on. To trail, follow, shadow, to track down, go after, be after, hound, hunt, pursue, chase. (laughs) So. Well, I think. I have the Texas Penal Code Mm -hmm. here. Texas Penal Code 42.072, which defines stalking as a person commits an offense if the person on more than one occasion and pursuant to the same scheme or course of conduct that is directed specifically at another person knowingly engages in conduct that constitutes an offense under section 42.07 which they'll explain here in a second or that the actor knows or reasonably should know the other person will regard it as threatening so that means bodily injury or death for the other person bodily injury or death for a member of the other person's family or household or for an individual with whom the other person has a dating relationship, or that an offense will be committed against the other person's property. They also, if the other person knowingly engages in conduct that causes the other person, a member of the other person's family or household, or an individual with whom the other person has a dating relationship to be placed in fear of bodily injury or death, or in fear that an offense will be committed against the other person's property, or to feel harassed, annoyed, alarmed, abused, tormented, embarrassed, or offended, and would cause a reasonable person to fear bodily injury or death for himself or herself, bodily injury or death for a member of the other person's family or household or for an individual with whom the person has a dating relationship, or fear that an offense will be committed against the person's property, or feel harassed, annoyed, alarmed, abused, tormented, embarrassed, 
or offended. And these offenses under this section is a felony of the third degree, except that the offense is a felony of the second degree if the actor has previously been convicted of an offense under this section or of an offense under any of the following laws that contains elements that are substantially similar to the elements of an offense under this section. So. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and read the too long didn't read. <laughs> Definition as stated on victimsofcrime.org. If that was a, a little bit to comprehend all at once, which it was great. It's important because that is the actual legal. That is the actual legal Texas penal code. Yeah, it's important. Um, victimsofcrime.org uh, says, um, while legal definitions of stalking vary from one jurisdiction to another, a good working definition of stalking is a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear. So that's kind of the short of it. Mm -hmm. so. And that's what I have um, from womenshealth.gov. Stalking is repeated contact that makes you feel afraid or harassed. Some examples of that are that stalkers will follow you and show up wherever you are. Send unwanted gifts, letters, cards, or emails. Damage your home, car, or other property. Monitor your phone calls or computer use. Use technology like hidden cameras or GPS to track where you go. Drive by or hang out at your home, school, or work. Threaten to hurt you, your family, friends, or pets. And find out about you using public records, online search services, going through your garbage, contacting friends, family, neighbors, co-workers. Posting information or spreading rumors about you on the internet, in a public place, or by word of mouth. Where they try to control, track, or frighten you. And so, all those things. Cue the sirens. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which also, just um, since we're starting this podcast, also, if you are fearing right now for any reason, um, you need to call 911. Um, I'll give some other hotline information mm -hmm. as we go along, but um, if you're afraid right now, then you are in, in, in immediate danger. You need to call 911. Mm -hmm. So as you were mentioning, Denise, several of the um, the examples, womenshealth.gov actually separated those into two different types of stalking, mm -hmm. and um, they included uh, cyber stalking. So they took those um, several Technology. of those things out. Mm -hmm. So the emails, text messages, mm -hmm. instant messaging, social media all those things and listed those separate i'm not sure if they really are separate like on the penal code and it does i don't think they're separate on the penal code mm -hmm. i think it all falls under the the same umbrella but you can be harassed in different ways and stalked in different ways mm -hmm. and i think the penal code kind of covers all of that okay From what i just read <laughs> yeah because I am not a lawyer. <laughs> right. right. I just write the entire penal code out to you guys out loud. <laughs> and you said that it divided it up into two? Well, cyber stalking, you know, was the second one. And then just, I guess it would be considered regular physical stalking. Mm -hmm. Where they follow you around or spy on you, send unwanted letters, bring gifts. Um, 
damage your property, threaten your friends and family. Some examples of cyberstalking or the use of technology to stalk. Mm -hmm. It is persistently sending unwanted communication through the internet, such as spamming someone's email inbox or social media platform, posting threatening or personal information about someone on public internet forums, video voyeurism or installing video cameras to give the stalker access to someone's personal life, using GPS or other software tracking systems to monitor someone without their knowledge or consent, using someone's computer and or spyware to track their computer activity. And as technology and digital platforms continue to grow, so do the chances that someone could interact with you in an unwanted sexual manner. So not all of these behaviors are considered stalking, but they can be violating and make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to know a little bit more about the different ways that people can use technology to hurt others. Yeah. Uh, some of the information I found said that, uh, well, women are twice as likely to be stalked as men, mm-hmm. and that one in six women has experienced stalking in her lifetime. One in 19 men have experienced stalking. Okay. So it's definitely more women than men, but men definitely do get stalked as well. Mm-hmm. So it's one in 19 men have experienced stalking. So women's health dot, is it gov? Yes, uh, .gov gives some things that you can do if you're being cyber-stalked. And they say to send the other person a clear written warning Mm -hmm. not to contact you again. And if they do contact you again after you've told them not to, just don't respond. Mm -hmm. And I know that's hard to do because you want to. (laughs) Right, and you got to document. Keep a journal or a log of some Mm -hmm. sort. Uh, screenshot those things, save them into a folder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you do have to send a clear do not contact me again message. Mm-hmm. Or from what I've read, the Texas Penal Code can't really do anything about it. Law enforcement can't really do anything about it until you say you need to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then they say after that, uh, after printing out the copies and and that kind of stuff, is to report the stalker to the authorities. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, interesting. So it says, for example, if someone is stalking you through Facebook, report them to Facebook. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, most of your social media will have have something in their code of conduct, um, getting them to enforce it. Really depends on the social media platform. Some of them mm-hmm. don't care, mm-hmm. um, but you reporting it to them. Also, you keep track of that. You log that, and so if you ever need to go to the police, you have. This is when I told them not to contact me again. This is when I reported them. Now I'm reporting them to you, and so you can show escalation. Yeah, and one of the things that they they talk about is not to post. Um, too many details about yourself on social media that somebody can mm-hmm. use to mm-hmm. find you. Yeah. So and I social know that- media is very interesting um, in the sense that we want to be connected to our friends and family. We'll post things like I'm going to go to such and such show or such and such concert or I'm going to go see this movie at this time, mm-hmm. which is great to get friends together. But there's a bunch of creepers out there. Mm-hmm. That we'll see, oh, you're going to be at this place at this time. 
And they can easily be there at that place at that time. Or, or posting up all your pictures while you're on vacation, like, out of state or out of the country. Right. And everybody sees, like... Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, don't post about your life. I've posted pictures when I was on vacation only when somebody's staying at my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. So, otherwise, I'll wait till I get home, if they even get posted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I have some information here from uh, clinical police and forensic psychologist Chris Mohandi. Um, and it says ignore not to ignore a stalker. Ignoring a stalker can be dangerous. Mm. So, um, of course, you said I, you said that you know once you send that do not contact, then you're not supposed to respond right. anymore. But it's a, um, and I, I'm I'm sure that that's true. Uh, but this says to you know not to ignore them like they just don't exist you have to once you're aware of them you have to make sure that you're um, alert and proactive to protect yourself you know avoid contact uh inform people and you know save and document Mm -hmm. uh, all messages voicemails letters cards um and photograph and document things that are damaged um another one of the issues as i was reading here is and uh, I know we've brought this up before um, during our domestic violence mm-hmm. episode, but that, um, you know, if someone says that they're being stalked, then then be open and, and believe them, because mm-hmm. that's another issue that a lot of people run into is they tell someone that they're being stalked or being harassed, and people just kind of laugh it off like it's not a big mm-hmm. thing or downplay mm-hmm. the, the significance of it. Oh, he just really likes you. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it may be that they don't know how to help. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I've I've not been in a position where I felt like I was stalked, but I did have somebody bring me flowers at my work, mm-hmm. and that made me very uncomfortable. So I didn't even go to the front. I had somebody else mm-hmm. go and talk to him about it. Um and so, you know, he never came back, thank goodness. But in that situation, they were willing to help me and to go inter- mm-hmm. intercept that. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it, at that point it was harmless, you know. But um, sometimes we think we need to be nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that can lead to other things down the road. Well, and I think with us specifically, our job is customer service and so whenever someone comes up and is a little too friendly with us, like we feel like we have to be polite and tend to not be firm, mm-hmm. you know, about that kind of thing. Like you can be polite, but tell someone no. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times in customer service, that kind of gets pushed aside. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be nice to this person. Well, you can be polite without having to be like open to advances yeah Mm -hmm. um well more information from that about not ignoring stalkers um it breaks it down into four types of the four kinds of stalkers um the public figure stalker who has not had any prior relationship with their victim so i guess that would be somebody who's stalking like a celebrity Mm -hmm. or something like that or a stranger yeah or somebody that they they saw on TV, on TV or, or something, something like that. You know, maybe not necessarily like a famous person, but mm-hmm. someone that you saw somewhere. 
a public figure. Uh, there's the private stranger stalker who crosses paths with a victim in some way, and then that person becomes the target. That's similar to what happened uh, recently. Um, I'm, I'm, it's slipping my mind now. The girl's name was Klaus. Oh, in oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was similar to that. He's he's it said he saw her on the bus. He saw her getting onto a bus, and that and then that became his target. Mm-hmm. That's um, that would be the private stranger stalker, um, and then there's the acquaintance stalker who pursues maybe a coworker, a classmate. Um, or someone else in their life and has about a 50% risk of violence is uh, is what it says in this article mm-hmm. wow and uh, I think that that also includes the um, okay the, yeah, the fourth co- category of stalker um, that Mahandi describes as intimate stalkers and these are the most common and the most dangerous it says uh, risk of violence from an intimate stalker is about 74%. So your intimate stalker would be uh, the ones are mentioned in our uh, victimsofcrime.org. Mm-hmm. That would be the you know previous um, intimate partner or you know someone you're dating. Mm-hmm. And so the that, statistics on that is 61% of female victims and 44% of male victims of stalking are stalked by a current or former mm-hmm. intimate partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25% of female victims and 32% of male victims of stalking are stalked by an acquaintance. It says that and those a, are the highest risk. And about one in five of stalking victims are stalked by a stranger. Forty-six percent of stalking victims experience at least one unwanted contact per week. Eleven percent of stalking victims have been stalked for five years or more. Wow. And persons aged 18 to 24 years experience the highest rate of stalking. I have an article here. Uh, it was dated 2010. And I apologize because I did not get the source of this article. But it states that a Pennsylvania woman was indicted for interstate stalking and making threatening communications. So she... She was in Pennsylvania, and she was contacting somebody in Colorado, mm-hmm. and um, it was phone calls and emails, and uh, she made threatening um, remarks. Actually, some of it, it says here that she telephoned the victim in Colorado threatening to kick your ass and show up at your place with a crowbar. So, and then she wasn't even afraid. She said... Uh, I'm not going to kill you or anything, but a little assault and battery charge won't do anything for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they got in contact with each other. I mean, this article does not really say that, but if she was convicted, um, it says that she faced not more than five years in federal prison and up to $250,000 fine mm-hmm. for each of the four counts in the indictment. So... That's not much. And if you're that mad at somebody and then you get convicted over it, what are you going to do when you get out? Even more mad. You could be, yeah. So, in the state of Texas, stalking is treated as a third-degree felony, which means that it is often punishable with a prison sentence. If convicted of another charge of stalking, it is considered to be a second-degree felony. So, third-degree felony... Um, 
if you are found guilty of a felony of the third degree, the punishment is imprisonment in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for any term of more than, not more than 10 years and less than two years. Okay. Second degree felony punishment is imprisonment in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for any term of not more than 20 years or less than two years. So if this is your first offense, you will get less than two years unless, I guess, really like what we were talking about earlier depends on judge and jury and all that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, less than two years is the minimum. And so... But not less. So you have to serve at least two years. So, yep, or less than two years. But okay. we've, in a lot of our readings and dealings and all that, good behavior can get you out in six months. Right, you get charged mm-hmm. for two years, but then you're out on on parole or probation or whatever. And yeah. Like, and like, so yeah, six months six or months something Six months to a year or something yeah. like that. And it becomes a second-degree felony if you've already been convicted of stalking before. Or have more than one stalking charge, like if you stalked more than one person and so forth. Well, and if you were, you know, convicted the first time and only got the two years, um, I would hope that if you were convicted again, that they would give you a more significant (laughs) sentence. Mm -hmm. I would hope so, too. They didn't learn their lesson. Maybe we should. Maybe we should keep them in prison a little bit longer. Right? There was another article I was reading also about um, a lady in London who was being stalked for seven years. And it started out with, you know, just some initial contact. And then it came letters and accusations and suicide threats that came to her um, place of business. She was a singer. And so this went on for seven years, and he finally broke into her apartment, and it says here that he started screaming at her, and I don't think that he actually attacked her, Um, but she had already contacted the police about it, Mm -hmm. and... You know, they were just like document, and she had been documenting and taking the things mm-hmm. to them, um, but they didn't follow through with a whole lot of stuff, I guess. And uh, the police had her information and knew what he looked like, and they didn't want to show her his picture initially. Mm-hmm. And then she finally was able to get at least that, so that she would know what he looked like for mm-hmm. heaven's sake. Um, But it says that there's over 700,000 victims of stalking in England and Wales every year. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what those statistics are here in the United States. 7.5 million people are stalked in one year in the United States. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot more than over there. And it says over there that only 1% of stalking cases and 16% of harassment cases end in prosecution. So there's a good chance that the numbers might be very similar. They just aren't reported because it doesn't sound like much happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they're trying to get stalkers to be tagged so that they will alert victims to their proximity. 
and tagged how are we gonna start microchipping people <gasps> maybe because <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking i mean you'd have to have some kind of device in your home or on your person in you know your phone so some that it would alert yeah, yeah uh that somebody was close hmm. um that's the thing they're really talking about doing mm-hmm. based on this article hmm. in now I say the observer. I don't believe it's like the observer here. <laughs> uh, it seems like it's a legitimate, you know, online, at least, um, magazine. Well, more statistics um, on because this has a, a, a heavy impact on on people that are stalked and um, their places of work because mm-hmm. a lot of times they stalk people at their places of work. We just discuss that that you know someone shows up and what do you do you're at work so mm-hmm. you could just especially if you're at a front desk or something right you can't just leave so and you can't tell them where they can go and <laughs> <laughs> um so it says here one in eight employed stalking victims lose time from work as a result of their victimization and more than half lose more more than half lose five days of work or more um, which I'm not sure what that's in relation to, like five days out of the year or or what. But there's another article here on... It's uh, www.shsu.edu. Anyway, it's about stalking in Texas, the state of... Um, the, a study that tracks that, and it comments as well on how victims frequently miss work for fear of being stalked at work. Um, so the research indicates that Stalking victims experience various economic, uh, on top of all the social, physical, and mental difficulties that result as the that are results of the crime. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know I've known people that have talked about thing occurrences like that happening mm-hmm. when they're at work, and people, you know, someone comes up and it's like, "I need to see so and so." Unfortunately, um, one of the cases that I'm that you know that I was told about, they had people there at work that um, you know that can be threatening when they want to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so they went up there and you know they told them they took care of it for them, told them you know you don't need to come back and and do mm. this and you need to leave or or you know whatever. Yeah. So, but it's after looking at all this and thinking about it, it's um, just in retrospect you can see where these kind of things. Like just personally, or or, um, or to someone that you know or, or related to, that these things have happened to, and it's just the prevalence of it is mm-hmm. kind of alarming. Yeah, I think that what we've kind of touched upon is that, uh, as with with a lot of a lot of crimes, we want the laws and the procedures to uh, to help and protect the victims and make sure that justice is done. And this is a, a difficult crime to do that mm-hmm. with because the police rely on just accounts of the victims and uh, and just yeah whatever evidence that they can they can show but there's not a lot of times there's not a lot of hard evidence to show that someone is stalking mm-hmm yeah, because, and you might not even think it's stalking. You might think that you're kind of being silly or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, you're thinking, 
this is not really happening. I mean, that's not what it really is. But mm-hmm. you really need to look at the details. And and if it makes you uncomfortable, then, I mean, that's the definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's causing you to be fearful. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's definitely something to look into. Right. If you're uncomfortable and, and you, don't, you don't want that contact and you tell that person either directly or or what, by whatever means don't contact me don't you know don't do this and they continue to do so then to me that it's like that you said that was the legal definition of yeah. that and that i mean that makes perfect sense to me if you know yeah because you've explicitly said i don't want to talk to you or have any contact with you and then they just completely ignore that and continue and I think that's easier to do on social media mm-hmm. or through text uh, or email. Mm-hmm. And it's not so easy to do face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're already fearful. Mm-hmm. Because you're thinking, what if I say something and it sets this person off and I'm right here in front of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, thinking back on it, I mean, yes, I think in any situation you could tell them mm-hmm. how you feel. But telling them when other people are around may make you feel a little bit more comfortable and provide witnesses that you actually did take that step. Yeah. But I know that that's not always possible to Mm -hmm. have other people around. So in one of our previous episodes with Wise Hope, it was mentioned that they offer services. Mm -hmm. And one of the services that they offer is if you need a protective order, they can... They have um, advisors there that can help you fill out the paperwork and so forth to get a protective order. Um, They also have counselors and allies and advocates that will go with you to the police to report and turn in your protective order. Um, And so WiseHope is a great resource for many things, but Mm -hmm. this one... And there is information also on... um, What is this womenshealth.gov on how to get a restraining order and it does state that it is free Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay anything to do that some of the information and links that um, I clicked on actually took me back to the information that you guys had from the victims victimsofcrime.org yes so when it talked about the um, Stalking Resource Center, and I clicked on that, it took me to that link mm-hmm. and that website. I also uh, searched and found Criminal Justice website or departmentofjustice.gov. Okay, let me restart that. It's the Department of Justice at justice.gov. And they have information um for the Office of Violence Against Women. It covers a lot of different areas, but it does cover stalking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also in this article on shsu.edu, um, it lists the Texas Family Violence Legal Hotline available for victims. Uh, it's got the number listed. Uh, the, uh, it has 1-800-274-4673. That's the Texas... Family Violence Legal Hotline. Um, That's another resource. Um, 
I also came across rain.org, mm-hmm. and it's R-A-I-N-N, mm-hmm. which is Rape, Abuse, and Incest Net- National Network. Yep. And the hotline for that is 800-656-HOPE. 4673. You can also chat with someone from RAIN online at online.rain.org. Some interesting information on RAIN's website it says every 98 seconds another person experiences sexual assault and sexual violence affects hundreds of thousands of americans each year while we're making progress the number of assaults has fallen by more than half since 1993 but even today only five out of every 1,000 rapists will end up in prison Mm. so it's good that they're making progress but there's still a lot of way to go and uh, victimsofcrime.org has statistics about stalking and intimate partner femicide. Mm-hmm. And um, that's another one of the cases where, um, well, I'll just read the statistic here. It's, uh, it says 54% of femicide victims reported stalking to police before they were killed by their stalkers. That's sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 54%? Mm-hmm. This is a situation that kind of, I guess, confirms that um, this one guy who's 26 killed Molly McLe- uh, McLaren, she was 23, in a car park. And I believe this was uh, in England. It was two weeks after she ended the relationship. And she, he had twice been warned by police to stay away from her before he stabbed her in her car and killed her. So that's why it's so important if you feel like you're being stalked to speak up and to say something. And if one person doesn't listen, talk to somebody else mm-hmm. or call one of these helplines and maybe they can talk with you and help you feel either more comfortable with it or, you know, that help you talk it through to see whether you it really is stalking or, you know, help you to find the resources you need to get help. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody until you get what you need. Yeah. So intimate partner stalkers frequently approach their targets and their behaviors escalate quickly. Like that was two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think in those situations too, those people know where you live. Mm-hmm. They know your habits. And it's a lot easier for them. Uh, and they're more passionate about, you know, your relationship and things. I mm-hmm. think it's... Uh, I don't know. I think that may be why the statistics are so high with that versus strangers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 78% of stalkers use more than one means of approach. Weapons are used to harm or threaten victims in one out of five cases. And almost a third of stalkers have stalked before. And even this article mentions, too, that prison may be the best course of action for some stalkers. But others will just carry on their behavior when they get out. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be some other kind of intervention for them to help them stop. Some some kind of rehabilitation of some sort. Mm-hmm. Some kind of therapy. Therapy, yeah. And, you know, thinking about how fixated you have to be on somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is not exclusive to anyone. Um I think it. I read that, uh, of course, most 
stalking cases are the majority is men stalking women, mm-hmm. but but men can stalk men and women can stalk women and women can stalk men. Mm-hmm. It happens happens to everybody. It's not just exclusive to one one group or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're a man, you're being stalked by a woman. If There's it, nothing shameful in that. Yeah. Right. Take it seriously mm-hmm. and and you know do take the the proper measures to. To be safe, to be be protected, because if we've learned anything from "Do We Like Murder," is that we've we've encountered quite a few women murderers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's it's not exclusive to anyone. It's yeah serious. Take it seriously. That's true. That's an interesting connection, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we have had a lot of women murderers, haven't we? <laughs> Now think if someone approaches you about being stalked, to just listen and be open. And if a man comes to you and tells you that he's being stalked by someone, don't diminish it by being all like, well, you're a guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, people are crazy and they can escalate and serious harm can happen. Yes. Yeah, and especially if there's weapons involved, which it's mm-hmm. in one in five stalkers. Um or victim, or you know, threaten with use weapons to threaten or harm, mm-hmm. and you know, a weapon like a gun or something like that does the same thing regardless of who's using yep. it. So yeah. Oh, Sam Houston State University. There it is. Ah. <laughs> I was thinking it was a university, so, especially with the IEU. It says EDU. Sorry, everyone. It's highlighted here. I just expected it to be at the top of the page or something <laughs> like that. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's Crime Victims Institute. Housed at Sam Houston State University. There it is. And what institute is it? Uh, Crime Victims Institute. Hmm. That's where this this report um, studying study tracks state of stalking in Texas. Uh, that's where that report came from. Okay. It says according to the CDC estimates, fifteen point six percent of the female population in Texas will experience stalking. Um, that's slightly less than the 16.2% national average, but that's still a lot. Mm-hmm. Again, this is um, from, did we already, we might have already talked about this. Did we do this one? Domestic Violence Hotline, um, 1-800-799-SAFE. 7233. Thank you. This has a, a list of, um, stalking response tips. Um, some of these are things we mentioned already. Trust your instincts. Victims of stalking often feel pressured by friends or family to downplay the stalker's behavior, but stalking poses a real threat of harm. Your safety is paramount. Call the police if you're in immediate danger. Um, explain why even some actions that seem harmless, like leaving a gift or causing you fear, um, keep a log of each contact with the stalker and be sure to document any police reports. Um, and also save all emails, text messages, photos, and postings on social networking sites as evidence as well. Mm-hmm. So you can do a lot to control your own situation if you have that kind of stuff. That's uh, any evidence like that. And make sure you document your communication so when you state that stop contacting me mm-hmm. 
that you have documented that you did that, the date and time that it was mm-hmm. sent. Mm-hmm. And then it has stalking response tips for victim advocates. Um, recognize that stalking is a pattern of conduct and stalk- a stalking victim's level of fear and need may vary or and change based on the stalker's behaviors. Uh, realize stalking victims may contact may maintain contact with their offenders to keep themselves or loved ones safe. Work with victims to establish safety plans. Uh, collaborate with others in your community, such as law enforcement, prosecutors, community corrections, to help victims of stalking. Um, healthcare providers and members of faith communities are also vital resources. We talked about Wise Hope. That's mm-hmm. um, a resource for that locally. Uh, work with law enforcement, prosecutors, and others to educate victims about ongoing dynamics of stalking cases and what evidence and documentation may be required if they choose to report to the police. And again, work with the same folks, the law enforcement prosecutors and others, uh, to educate about the ongoing dynamics of stalking cases and what evidence may be required if they choose to report to the police. For more information, stalkingawarenessmonth.org and victimsofcrime.org. That's from that. Now, some of my information, um, the helplines... I thought was really interesting because they said they were just Monday through Friday from like 9 to 6. This one here is saying 10 to 6. Did any of yours have restrictions on the call times? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And one of mine also said that for them, they don't work directly with the public. They work with other agencies, so maybe your local agencies that you might need to contact first. But I think most of these helplines, when you call, should have, if they can't help you directly, they should be able to tell you right who to call or what you need to do. And I'll go ahead and mention a couple of these things. In a way, it seems kind of like common sense, but I think sometimes it helps to be reminded, especially if you're in a stressful situation, you may not be thinking about these things, but you can um, change your phone number. It says here that some people decide that they don't want to change their phone number so that they can collect evidence. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, you have to take that into consideration and you can also have uh, numbers blocked and then excuse me, secure your home with alarms, locks, and motion-sensitive lights. And then if you're being cyber-stalked, you can, um, again, block messages from the harasser. Change your email address or your screen name could be enough to uh, deter them. And yeah, we talked about not posting details online. So it's easy to think that because we're in a small community and that this kind of stuff doesn't happen and that it can't happen to you, and it can. Mm-hmm. It can happen anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it, you know probably less prevalent, but you, I think you need to, yeah, you need to be careful. And especially, you know, like you mentioned, the age range, 18 to 24, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the primary age. I mean, that's a college-age kids mm-hmm. and uh, late high school and... I think those those are years where you're not as comfortable, maybe confident enough to 
tell somebody no and things drag on probably a little bit longer than they normally would have. Um, and, and I think people who stalk also probably look for that type of personality that's diminutive. Does that make sense? Y'all are giving me a crazy look. No, I think I know, I know what you're trying to say. I'm just I'm thinking of how to how to word that. Like a meeker person, somebody who I don't know. One of the things I I grew up in a small town, and moving down to Texas was very scary for me. Um, and there were just some things that I always do. I always make sure my purse is zipped Mm -hmm. (laughs) you would not believe how many people you walk around and their purse is just hanging open yeah Mm -hmm. and um always check the back seat of your car even if your car is locked yes before getting into your car and just be aware (laughs) of your surroundings when you're walking from the mall back to your car Mm -hmm. don't just look at your phone you need to be looking around and before you even get to your car, yeah, people around other vehicles, and is anybody hiding? And you know, just paying attention to those mm-hmm. things makes a big difference because statistically, people who are going to attack you will not attack somebody that is aware. Mm-hmm. They're looking for somebody who's not paying attention, mm-hmm. and so you can maybe alleviate some situations because of that mm-hmm. i guess yeah that's good advice for anybody yep. be vigilant mm-hmm. yeah yeah be aware um <laughs> what uh-huh. uh, you know you know me i just i want to go into all the like the different means and methods of <laughs> that you can you can procure to to protect yourself should the, the case arrives okay um tell me something I don't know. Well, I'm. I know that, like, you know, mace, like little camp balls of mace, little pepper spray. People pepper spray. Yeah. People carry those. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, just a side note with some of the Texas laws that have changed recently with like knife carrying and stuff. Um, I was disappointed to find out that. Like those little keychains that you can put on your knuckles that have yeah. little spikes on them. Those those are still illegal to carry. Like you can carry like a you can carry a samurai sword. Yeah, that's fine. But but if the cops catch you with a little little cat head knuckle duster thing on your keychain, then you can get you can get arrested or whatever for carrying an illegal weapon. And you know it's what is called. Brass knuckles. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah well, anything like but that. I think those are still I, illegal, too. Yeah. Yeah. Brass knuckles or anything like that. And, and of course, it's so silly. I mean, the reason for that is is because there's a big knife lobby. But there's no brass knuckles knobby, lobby. <laughs> <laughs> so, <sighs> anyway, that's just a random random fact. But, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in having that kind of stuff. If you know what you're doing like you know mace or knives or whatever but i'm always hesitant to really recommend that unless you really know what you're doing Mm -hmm. because that in itself is not going to protect you like if all you do is carry something around and you're not trained or prepared to use it in any way 
then it becomes something that someone can take away from you and, and use, use against it. you. Yeah. So that's kind of a a line to walk there. It's like we're you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times um, you have those things, and then when you're in a situation where you need it, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're carrying it all the time, and then this one instance you don't grab it for whatever reason, and maybe that's the time that something that's happens. You, need it. Mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like that's the case. Yeah. Um, so the pepper spray thing. You have to have it ready to spray. Mm-hmm. And I have been around that when it has been sprayed inadvertently uh, in a small enclosed area. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. We did oh. not really realize what the issue was, but all of a sudden that we were just coughing and coughing. And, um, yeah, we realized that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that had been sprayed just a tiny bit, just to test it or whatever. And, yeah, not a good situation. So... Well, and and I think I had mentioned before, uh, not on this podcast, but in other conversations about Mm self-defense classes, I think they're very good experiences that you should go through, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think there's some places locally that you can can go to get, um, you know, to take a self-defense class. But from what I was told years ago... Uh, my class was being taught by a police officer, and he said that statistically, you're better off if you're in a situation where somebody has a gun to run, mm-hmm. because odds are they're not a good enough shot to hit you as you're running, and then if they're running, that diminishes their ability to make a good shot. Mm-hmm. And then if they do shoot and hit you, the odds of them hitting a vital organ are minimal Mm -hmm. so if you're in a situation where somebody's trying to get you to go to a different location you're better off to to run Mm -hmm. and cause a commotion because you they don't want attention drawn to them right which if they fire the gun that's going to draw attention to them Mm -hmm. yeah and odds are they're going to leave you anyway if they do shoot i mean what are what are they gonna do Mm -hmm. (laughs) right so um Unless all this starts in a very isolated location, mm-hmm. screaming and running, there's going to be other people around. Yeah. And even if it's late at night and there's not as many people around, I think your odds are still better off. Mm-hmm. It's late at to night. Get away. You run into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they can't see you. <laughs> Don't open your cell phone at that point. They could find you. Yeah. But. And, and even... You know, in a um, in classes that teach you know, uh, techniques for defense to actually be applied in real, you know, street scenarios, they they don't teach they don't are not going to teach you how to to like take someone down. I mean, they're not going to teach you like the full you know do this and then throw them and then and then finish them with this blow. Yeah, the that, point is to survive. It's to it's to do just enough. To where they're not hurting you anymore or pursuing you, and then you get away. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you, a real situation. Is the idea is you just do whatever you need to do, and then it's over, and you run. And if you have a clear path of escape, like if you're not in any harm of getting hit or you know or whatever, then just just run. Just throw you know and throw stuff behind you or chairs or, or door or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? 
don't sit there and, and, and keep fighting somebody when you... Right. <laughs> yeah, if they don't have a physical hold on you. Because that's part of the things that I remember is, you know, they would put you in a headlock mm-hmm. so that you couldn't do anything. And what would you do if you were in a headlock? And they talked about the uh, vulnerable parts of the body. So feet, feet <laughs> and like the knee and... Um, the strongest, one of the stronger parts of your body is your elbow, not mm-hmm. your hand. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to attack somebody, use your elbow to hit them instead of your hand. So, yeah, it's exactly right. You know, just enough to get away mm-hmm. yeah, the is point, what you need. Yeah, the point being is, yeah, if there, you can take a self-defense class and learn some things, then that's good. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a kung fu master mm-hmm. to, de- to, ven- to defend yourself in mm-hmm. a situation like that. You just need to know some things that you can do yes which i yeah i definitely encourage everybody to do and to know at least some of that i think that that's important mm-hmm. yeah i think that it it's probably more important than you know having a weapon because you always have yourself mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. Yes, you always have yourself. So anything that you can do just yourself without yes. having to rely on anything else mm-hmm. uh, yes that is very true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all real relevant stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of people that are in a stalking situation think that they did something to cause it. Yeah. And you didn't. Like, this is not your fault. That's what, yeah, that was one of the things that was highlighted here. I think it's one of the things that keeps people from telling other people. Is says, they feel like they did something to cause the situation. Yeah. You are not to blame for your stalker's behavior. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're not responsible for anybody else's behavior. So you don't have to feel guilty about that either. Mm-hmm. Also, with stalking, you know, some sometimes the threat of harm to not you but to somebody else, your mm-hmm. family, um, is a big thing. And I think at that point, you just need to trust that things will be taken care of and that they cannot be harmed. Um, you know, by going to the police and making sure they're being, I don't know, observed or, you know, I don't know. I know that they don't have the manpower to do all that, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot, a lot of times if it's going to escalate to a point where they're going to harm you, mm-hmm. what's a good way to harm you? Yeah. Harm a loved one? Kill your pet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and a first step in making you feel like the only way to stop this is to continue to be in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So. Because that's going to do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> no one said stalkers were like rational, <laughs> understanding people. Right. <laughs> but I think any threat should be taken seriously. I think if someone yes. says they're going to threaten you threaten your family. Well, what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. yes, it should be taken seriously, but don't feel like you have to. Oh, I have to stay you. in this relationship so what, because they're going to hurt. I think what you're trying right. to say is, don't let that fear control you. Yes. Go to somebody and tell mm-hmm. somebody that, and don't feel like you have to stay in the relationship. Yeah. Kind of take the threat seriously, but don't let it control your actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that that can't make things better. No. And if it's gotten to the point where they're threatening anybody in your family, 
your pets you mm-hmm. this is escalated to a, a situation that you're gonna need help right getting out of and so yeah whether it's law enforcement or friends or family like if it's gotten to that point where they're threatening any aspect of you or your family that right it's gotten to a point that needs serious attention Mm -hmm. Uh, we have had some local self-defense classes they did one at the wise hope Mm-hmm. Wise Hope tends to do a couple. Um, you do have to sign up for them. I do believe that they are mainly for adult women. And then maybe teens, I think, are included in that. Um, do they have to be at that organization or working with them? I think whenever they offer the classes, you just sign up because there's a limited amount okay of people that can sign up for the classes um and do they charge do you know no they are free classes to take um peak performance Mm -hmm. is usually who does those classes for them okay um they're really nice people Mm -hmm. i'm sure they have other types of classes at their Dojo? Dojo or gym, <laughs> gym. however you <laughs> want to call it. That can help. Now, is Peak Performance the one that's just south of town then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Yep. I'm not sure of any other things around. I know in Bridgeport there's a karate yeah. dojo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if like any of the gyms or anything like that offer any kind of... I've heard that one in Bridgeport's pretty hardcore. The karate place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, and I and I've I've heard a lot of good things about peak performance mm-hmm. too. They they have a lot of good instruction there. So. Yep. So, um, Denise. So that people don't have to go through and listen for all the help numbers and helplines and, yes. and contact stuff. You'll put that right. We will have it in the description. In the show notes. The show notes. Do we have okay. we have show notes, right? Do we do that? No, there's a description of what we're talking about. Well, I guess that there's going to be. <laughs> this will be on there this on our on website, there. on our long overdue podcast site. It'll be on there as well. Okay. So. And as always, you know, we if you need um, to research anything, we have uh, computers available for you to come in and mm-hmm. and you can use the computers to research mm-hmm. some of these sites we've talked about or, you know, to gather more information if you need to. Yeah, we're always glad yeah. to help people to locate and contact any local resources or anything like mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. why we're here. And we're not judgy. Mm-hmm. That was good. A good uh, that's good information. Good discussion. Um, everybody just be aware, be safe, and get help if you need it. Thank you for listening to Long Overdue Podcast. <laughs>